Today on The Ticker Tapes, we hear from Lucy, who, after being diagnosed with a heart condition since just after birth, tells us how she's coped personally with the tremendous physical and psychological challenges she's faced along the way. I remember a lot of being pulled out of playtimes and lunchtimes. I would sit inside with a teacher. I didn't really have a lot of one-on-one experience with my peers. Very early on, there was a lot of little bits, you know, that I noticed that wasn't quite the same as everybody else. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Rob Underwood. On the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. In this episode, Lucy charts the journey of her treatment, diagnosis and care from a very early age and talks openly about the support she's received. Also, her future hopes and aspirations, both from a health perspective and career-wise. Lucy, first of all, thanks for joining us on the Ticker Tapes. What prompted you to share your story with us? I I think it's just important to get, you know, a bit more of a younger age group uh, speaking about, you know, their experiences. And although we're a lot younger, um, we have just as much, if not more, (laughs) things to talk about. um, And it's really important for, for other people to hear that. Let's go right back to the beginning of your story then. Uh, and it started, well, at a very early age, didn't it? It did, yeah. I was getting my, um, when a baby's born, they've got to get postnatal checks. And a really amazing nurse had great hearing and she was listening to my heart and just thought something's not quite right. So we got a scan and we figured out that I had essentially what was a leaky valve. So, you know, props to her for the amazing hearing. And when did you first understand and and get an understanding, if you like, as to what your condition was about? I mean, it's most of my understanding has actually only come recently in the past few years when I started, you know, really looking for answers and I got my medical records printed off and everything. But um, I always knew I was different in some way, but I didn't quite understand until recently. So that early detection led to fairly regular visits to the hospital for you didn't it it did yeah I was seen uh every six months I was on alternating an alternating basis with my local hospital and a specialist hospital nearby so I I was seen quite regularly those six monthly appointments at a very young age um, that must have been quite an ordeal but I know your parents sort of made it easier for you with treats didn't they Yes, they did. <laughs> Every single appointment afterwards, we would go somewhere. We would either go out for food or we would just go, you know, spend some time together, which was a bonus all round for me. You know, I, I got something out of it. I missed a little bit more school, which was great for me because I didn't have to be there. So, yeah, I, I had a really genuinely nice experience, actually. <laughs> Talking about your parents, Lucy, I mean, their support throughout all of this must have been so valuable for you and so important yeah I mean it it was amazing I, I don't quite know how they did it but uh, they did and they managed to you know make me feel at ease and still give me the support I needed while also making sure that me and my five other siblings were getting enough attention as well so as a nine-year-old you faced your first surgery tell I me did, about yeah. tell me about that what do you remember looking back 
I don't remember a lot. Um, I think I was pretty morphined out. Um, <laughs> I remember being told some stuff afterwards about being, like being like they gave us some sort of medication to make me feel a little bit more at ease because they knew I was quite anxious. Um, so I said some very weird things while I was on that. Um, but it, it was a relatively steady process because I don't really remember leaving the ward at all. I don't remember being in the surgical unit. I don't remember a lot of PICU. Um, and the, there was no complications at all. I think I was in and out within about four days. So it was okay. The surgery had, had went as well as it could have. So all around it was all right. Yeah, and what was the purpose of that first surgery? Um, it was mainly just essentially a repair. It was, I was getting you know, a little bit more symptomatic and I was I was struggling with more daily tasks. So they just wanted to put a repair in there before they did anything more permanent. They were really, really holding out to do the permanent stuff until I was like around the age I'm at right now. Um so but when they got in there they they kind of noticed that obviously the scans don't show everything and it it wasn't quite as good as it had looked on the scans. There was, you know, essentially a little bit more damage I think than they had realised so they kind of had an inkling at that point that the plan wasn't going to go to plan in the end uh, which it didn't so. And as a youngster Lucy what was day-to-day life like coping and I suppose to put it bluntly keeping up with your peers? It was quite difficult at the time actually I remember a lot of being pulled out of you know uh, play times and lunch times I would sit inside with a teacher so I didn't really have a lot of like one-on-one experience with my peers. I, d- I obviously saw them in class, but it wasn't quite the same. You know, not being able to do the sports as well, because there, w- there was obviously like the risk of maybe being symptomatic at the time. It, it was risky to do all the mm. activities that they did. So very early on, there was a lot of little bits, you know, that I noticed that wasn't quite the same as everybody else. Mm. Then along came 2012, and you faced more hospitalisation and another operation, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I had about just almost four years between the repair and the job that they were waiting to do until I was older. I had declined quite quickly and they, they ultimately decided that they were going to have to do the Ross procedure sooner than expected. So I, I had to go back in. Yeah, just describe that in a bit more detail, the Ross procedure. Yeah, so the the Ross procedure essentially is the take out the faulty valve and they replace it with one of your other valves from your heart and then they give a donor valve to the part that they took out of the healthy part. So yeah, it was a big surgery. It was very long. Um, And can you remember your feelings knowing that you were approaching that? Yeah, it it was quite nerve-wracking because at the time I was understanding more and I was in hospital for appointments and they were like look I think we're gonna have to look at surgery and I remember in the letters that came out to the house it was saying that even my mum was quite shocked because we we weren't anticipating this we we knew I was becoming unwell but we we wanted to wait until I was older like they had said um but obviously it it didn't turn out that way so it was really nerve-wracking and you know you're you're just waiting for that call because just depends when they have a bed so they can call you 24 hours before and just say look I need you in tomorrow so it was it was really scary and again I suppose more frustrations immediately after the operation what do you remember what was the immediate recovery like Lucy for you 
the immediate recovery was really quite difficult this time. The first one, I was quite, you know, I was, I took on a lot of what they were doing, but the second time I woke up with a tube, I was still intubated the second time when I woke up because I was, I'd been told afterwards that I was struggling coming off assisted breathing. I also got an infection while I was in this time, so I was in a lot longer. So the recovery process was a lot harder. And I'm, I'm very, well, I don't like to say I'm stubborn, but I'm sure some other people will. I was I was very persistent. I was like, I would, I would like to be out this afternoon. And they're like, no, you've still got an infection <laughs> and a temperature. But it, it was really quite difficult. And I really just, I wanted to be at home and I couldn't go home. I bet that feeling when you did get home was was something quite unreal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great, actually. I remember being really grumpy that morning because I didn't think they were going to let me out. And as soon as they told me, told me I was coming out, I was like, OK, come on, bag's packed, needle's <laughs> out, let's go. More <laughs> treats? change your mind. More treats from your parents? Yeah, more treats. And then the, the improvement after that was, was, was pretty good, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I did I did definitely see a difference, especially in, you know, after that, like, between six months recovery, after that point, I really saw a difference in myself. And, I'm, and I know a lot of other people had seen a difference in me as well, you know, being able to actually have enough blood flow and have colour in my cheeks now, um, and being able to do sports and be out, you know, at lunchtimes with my friends instead of having to do all of my classes from a little cottage. It was really nice. As a charity, the British Heart Foundation depends on the generosity of donors to continue carrying out our life-saving research. Thank you to those who already give. It's truly appreciated. If you too would like to donate, you can do so by simply going to bhf.org.uk donate. And now back to the conversation. How surprised are you at yourself having armed yourself with all this knowledge now? You never dreamt as a child you would have and you'd have to live through this experience. I mean, you talk so knowledgeably about it. Yeah, I, I just I really need the facts. You know, I study law. I've got this drive to have the facts. I need them. Um, but I never thought, you know, I, because I didn't quite understand, I don't think I ever could have imagined being at this point and, and actually coming to a kind of acceptance with it rather than resenting it. And it's quite a nice feeling to have at this stage of my life. And as a 19-year-old now, Lucy, tell me about the next step, future treatment for you. Yeah, so, you know, because they had to do it a lot younger than they would have hoped, uh, I will need another Ross you know, when the time comes in the minute, I'm doing quite well. Um, so we're not looking at that at the moment, but, you know, th- there will be other surgeries involved. How do you feel about facing that again? You know, I kind of feel pretty okay about it. I mean, I'm at a stage in my life where I feel, you know, as I said, this kind of acceptance with my condition and, you know, we'll take each day as it comes and, and I'm ready for whatever. Mm. So then came 2019, 2020. And then came COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, wh- wh- what issues did that present for you at the time? I suppose, well, obviously from a health risk point of view, but also from your studying. Yeah. So, you know, um, it was huge for everyone and I appreciate that. Uh, but but it was really hard. I was in my A-levels and 
I really wanted, you know, to get these amazing grades and I was being pulled out of college and had to work from home for about a year and a half, I think it ended up being, total. So I was struggling with keeping up. But also from a health point of view, it was, you know, isolate, stay away. We don't know what it is yet. At the start of it, we, we had no idea what COVID was actually going to be capable of in the end. So it it was really scary. It was like, well you know, you see the figures on the TV and you're like, well, I, I need to stay away. And it was it was really scary all around, I think, for me and for everyone. Just thinking back, Lucy, it was a time we all needed to reach out and, and we, we felt isolated. You will have done more than anybody, I guess. And I suppose there was a real need for you to reach out for support at that time. Is, is that how you felt? Yeah. So, you know, I'd kind of been thinking about reaching out to other people like me in the past, but I'd, I'd never really acted on it. I didn't really have this need that I had when COVID hit to, to reach out. Um, and I think something just clicked and it was like, look, like, you know, kind of like now or never, I guess. Um, so, you know, I, I really needed support. You know, I had it from my family, but the, the condition, it's it's not something you can really get support from unless they understand the ins and outs, unless you've lived it. It's not quite the same experience as being able to speak to someone who has, I guess. Mm. So I, I really needed that. And, you know, I decided to act on it. And you connected with the British Heart Foundation about that time, didn't you? Yes, I did. My mum, actually. Yeah, in what way? How helpful was that? You know, it was super helpful. Um, I I was told about it from my mum and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. it. It's just like a little social media thing. I already had Facebook, so I had... Like I applied to be, in, I get applied is the wrong word, but kind of you, you've got to explain what your heart condition is. Yeah. Um. So you know, I got into the group and it was really nice to see actually because I thought it was going to be like this rigid, like heartfelt. Everyone's telling their stories through the thing, but it's actually quite lighthearted. And you know, we send memes to each other of like funny things that have happened to us and like tv recommendations of what to watch while you're in quarantine and it was really nice being able to to speak to to other individuals personally as well about you know their experiences and being and actually realizing not only am I not alone it's it's hard to say but I had a relatively good experience with my heart condition I mean I know I can't speak on other people's behalves but some people have got it a lot worse than me Tell me about James. Yeah, James. Uh, I met James during COVID as well. I was looking through our local Instagram page for our hospital who raised money for the unit that the children stay on. And he came up with my suggested on it. Um, so I DM'd him and it's it's hard for me to say that. It's such a typical modern romance story because that used to make me cringe. Oh. Um, but... You know, I, I was really just looking for friends like me. Actually, we were friends for a good year before we even got together, but he was a great deal of support for me. And I know he felt the same about, you know, we were just looking for someone who understood. We were both in quarantine at the time and it was nice to be able to understand that really early intervention because I know some of the people I spoke to had intervention a lot later and they didn't know they had a heart condition. But both me and James knew from, you know, as long as we can remember that that we had something there. So it was nice to be able to relate on that level. Yeah, it must have proved a mutual, a really mutual support, really valuable yeah. support as well. Yeah. As a 19-year-old now, 
Lucy, looking back on your childhood and everything that's happened, the journey you've come along, what are your thoughts? It's just amazing to me. I'd, I can't quite comprehend sometimes. I'm like, how is it? Like, not how is this my life, but how have I got this far? I thought at the time, I just, I was devastated at the time. And I was like, how on earth am I going to navigate this? Um, and coming, you know, to the other side of it and, and feeling this acceptance and, you know, starting to do other things with my life instead of just being in this shell of, you know, I'm, I was the sick kid. And it's it's really nice to, to feel that now. Well, you've done really well, haven't you? As you said, you're, you're studying law, you're in your second year at university. Uh, yeah. Tell me about your aspirations career-wise then. At the minute, I'm hoping to become a solicitor. I'm not sure what area I want to go into yet, but I, I definitely haven't made it easy on myself. I went I went for the highest thing I could go do, and, you know, we're going for that, and I'm really quite passionate about it, actually. Well done. Well Thank done. Um, and as you as a person, 10 years on from that first surgery, how do you feel in yourself, and what are your hopes for the future in, in a broader sense? Yeah, I mean... I feel really good. I'm I'm taking it each day as, you know, I kind of get to it and, you know, if anything ever did come up, I'm I'm sure I'm ready and I've got the support there, you know, to have around. But also personally I just think I want to live life as much as I can. You know, I started travelling recently, which I'd never had done before because I wasn't allowed to. Oh. Um so so really just, you know, going to do what I want to do instead of waiting or holding it back. Where have you been to? Last year, I went to Croatia and Dubai. How lovely. Yeah, it was nice. You talked about that support. I mean, it, it's obviously a big part of how you've been helped through this journey. Who, who, who are you most grateful to for that love and support that's been so important to you on the way? I mean, the list could be as long as my arm at this point. Um, you know, James has been amazing and my family support in general has been you know, unbelievable, but it really comes down to my parents and the support that they were able to give me so early on meant that I wasn't afraid when it came time to, you know, have these surgeries and I wasn't afraid to reach out and and find other people like me. It it wasn't a scary thing. It was the they explained to me that it was just finding more about who I am and, you know, other people like me can help support me as well as I can support them. And finally, Lucy, an important message to others experiencing similar challenges in life. What would you say? You know, everyone says this and I can't reiterate it enough that, you know, it does get better and your surgeries and your conditions, they aren't you. They're a part of you for sure, but they aren't you and they aren't your life and you are more than that. You're more than the condition. So, you know, just do whatever you can when you can take advantage of everything you've got um yeah well lucy thanks so much for sharing your story with the ticker tapes no problem at all thanks for having me if you have any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health and you'd like to speak to a cardiac nurse on the bhf's heart helpline just go to our website at bhf.org.uk slash heart helpline where you'll find all the contact options. You'll also find useful information on our vital research, both in the episode notes and on our website at bhf.org.uk. The ticker tapes are for the many people out there living with heart conditions, and it's for them 
their friends and family that we produce the podcast. If you'd like to tell your own heart story or you have thoughts on this episode, do get in touch with us by emailing theTickerTapes at bhf.org.uk. Thank you.